Welcome to the Headache Situation podcast series, a public service of the Michigan Headache and Neurology Clinic in East Lansing, Michigan. The content of these podcasts is made available for informational and educational purposes only. It cannot be used to make a diagnosis or treat any health condition. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I'm Dr. Edmund Messina. I'm a neurologist and a headache specialist, and I suffer from migraines. The Headache Situation is a series of videos dedicated to informing our patients on how to get better care. We are not influenced in any way, nor are we sponsored in any way by any drug companies, insurance companies, or hospital corporations. We are doing this as a public service as part of the Michigan Headache and Neurology Clinic in East Lansing, Michigan, of which I am the medical director. Today, we're gonna talk about the overall approach to headache. Now, this isn't a quick cookbook on how to make headaches better, but this is an infrastructure on how you can base your headache plan and how you can help guide yourself and your physicians on how to help you the most. In general, we're gonna talk about general health issues, diagnoses, pitfalls with treatment, and treatment will take many forms. It doesn't have to come in a bottle. And we'll also talk about other non-pharmaceutical ways in which to help headaches. Now, about 2,500 years ago, an old Greek doctor named Hippocrates came up with a really good idea. He said, if you wanna be healthy, get plenty of sleep, eat good food, and exercise. I'm here to say today that lifestyle is an important part of the headache treatment plan. We need to keep people healthy, we need to get people healthy, and by doing healthy things, it'll help us to make your headaches better. Now, as far as food, we'll talk about that later, as far as headache diets, so-called headache diets, but as far as exercise, it's a great way to relieve stress, it's a great way to improve nighttime sleep, and regular exercise actually does help with headache management. Now, weight loss is important also because obesity is a risk factor for chronic headache, so exercise may also be helpful in that regard. So try to have a boring life, basically, is what I'm saying. Get plenty of sleep, get up at the same time every day, go to bed the same time every night, and don't miss meals. Our biological system requires that we feed it and water it and exercise it like a horse. As far as feeding it, you must eat regular meals. You shouldn't skip meals. It makes a big difference with headache management. And it's not because of blood sugar. It's because of certain brain structures which are looking forward and awaiting each feeding. But in the great scheme of things, the treatment of headache must begin with a proper diagnosis. That's easier said than done because a proper diagnosis is not always the easiest thing. Even a headache specialist will change their mind after a while in certain patients. We must always have communication taking place between patient and doctor. When I say doctor, I'm also referring to nurse practitioners and physician assistants. It's just easier to say doctor. I hate that word provider. It's very dehumanizing for us. Okay, so to get the proper diagnosis, must begin with having your physician take you seriously. You can't blow it off in a five-minute visit. Headache people are very complicated, and they have many complicated things which influence their headaches. It has to start with going to your physician and saying, I have bad headaches, and explain to them what you're going through. Another one of our videos talks about that. It explains how you can use strategies to make sure your physician pays attention to your problem. So once you're being taken seriously, the right questions have to be asked 
in order to make the correct diagnosis. Now, this video will not talk about the diagnostic criteria for all the main headache types like migraine and cluster and tension type headaches and all the other hemicranias. We're just going to talk in generalities, but hopefully this will help guide you when you see your physician. As far as the headache diagnoses, though, we try to adhere to the IHS, International Headache Society, classification system because these classifications help guide us on making the right choices for treatment in the different headache types. Again, this will be the subject of a different video. Now, as I mentioned in another video already, you must track your headaches. You have to show your patterns of your headaches to your treating physician. They need to know the intensity and the severity, the time course, the patterns. These are all very important aspects of your headache care, and you need to track them. Watch the other video. It's a very simple way of looking at intensity and frequency. Now, as far as treatment of headaches, that's a broad topic and it covers many things. The treatment of headaches is complicated because it's not just a pill for a headache and then we're done. A patient with headaches is a complicated creature, as I'll point out in a moment, but you need to have a proper diagnosis. And I don't mean just the type of headache, but what other diagnoses are affecting that individual. Many people have other medical problems which can influence the headaches, influence the choice of treatment plan and work against us. So this all has to be determined in a good, careful medical history. A detailed medical history is very important. There's no shortcut. I want to quote Sir William Osler here. He was brilliant and he said, one of the first duties of the physician is to educate the masses not to take medicines. Wise, in his era, medicines were even more toxic and poisonous than they are today. But he had a point there. There's a whole side to a patient and not just in little brown bottles with white childproof caps. Treatment takes many forms. I already mentioned lifestyle, and that needs to be part of the treatment plan. We must approach this from many angles. The mainstay right now for treatment are medicines, pharmaceuticals chemicals, and some antibodies, which are just finding their way into our treatment regimen. You know, many years ago, people were given herbs, plants, leaves, roots, whatever, to treat their illnesses. And around 100 years ago, they figured out how to extract the active ingredients, and those became known as pharmaceuticals, which are basically chemicals, and they can work very, very well. I know they're life-saving in many people, but they're not the only thing we have to use to treat headaches. Now, there are other modalities, which I'll mention soon, about non-medicinal approaches, but think about it. We usually use medicines. We use them as preventatives, which will help prevent the headaches. We use abortives, which turn off a migraine at the onset. We use bridging meds, which are there to help cover during certain times of vulnerability, like during periods. There are certain medicines only used during menstrual times. Rescue meds are used to help take away pain of a headache when everything else has failed. And these should not be narcotics. They should not be drugs that are habit-forming, but sometimes we get desperate. Now, quick overview of these various agents. Well, I mentioned preventative medications. They could be meds you take on a daily basis, which could belong to many different classes. And we'll talk about these in another video. But basically, these belong to the seizure class or the antihypertension class, the antidepressant class. There are many types of medicines which are used for prevention of headache. Some were made only for this purpose, and others have been found to be very useful, so we use them. Abortives currently are usually the triptan drugs, of which there are seven right now on the American market. Other abortives can include the older ergotamine drugs. Ergotamine tartrate has been around for many, many, many years preceding the triptans. We don't use them too much anymore because they tend to make people feel rather sick. But these drugs go back so many years, they originally were used as birthing powders, for example, back 100 plus years ago. Now, bridging meds, we use those to uh, use during periods. There are numerous agents that can be used to bridge 
that gap of increased vulnerability, especially in women who have pure menstrual migraine. In other words, they only have migraines just before, during, or after their periods. Those are very specific meds, and we'll talk about menstrual migraine in another tape. Now, sometimes we use what's called a burst, which is a medication designed to break the cycle of a headache. If a migraine is going on more than 72 hours, we call that status migranosis, and it's a real drag. People are hurting day after day, and we sometimes have to use agents that will turn off this process of headaches begetting headaches, and these are called bursts. They could be steroids or antipsychotics. There are various meds that can be used, and again, we'll talk about these another time. Now, I mentioned that a big part of the treatment plan is to treat the things that aren't the migraines, because many things can make migraines worse. For example, if a person has untreatable or unresponsive insomnia or severe anxiety or depression, these will interfere with the treatment plan to prevent the headaches. We need to be sure we've incorporated all of these factors into our treatment plan. And a lot of times, treating one of those conditions can make the headaches better. So let's see where we go with that. There'll be a future video about sleep disorders and headache and another one about dealing with stress and anxiety and depression as it relates to headache, because this is a big topic. Neck pain is another issue, and we can't ignore it. Certainly, many people have chronic neck pain. It bothers them when they sit at their computer at work or whatever. But people who have intense head pain will often have accompanying neck pain. And sometimes physical therapy will relieve that. And that's one of the modalities I'll mention in a moment. General health, as I said earlier, is very important. And so it is. If a person is a poorly controlled diabetic or whose thyroid is out of whack and needs to be properly adjusted, these can affect the headache treatment plan as well. Stress with the big S stress. It's a big factor in most every condition we treat in medicine. It could be epilepsy or any other problem, but certainly headache disorders are affected by stress as well. And the ways to deal with stress are not to pop a tranquilizer like in the old days, but to work on relaxation training, yoga, exercise again, or certain types of meditation, which are very effective. Some people use biofeedback in order to teach themselves how to properly relax. I think of biofeedback as the training wheels for a person to learn how to control their stress with breathing and muscle tensing exercises. There are many approaches, and again, we'll speak of this later. Now, physical therapy, I use a lot of it for our patients. It's not like someone's going to crack your neck or pop your neck or do something like that. A physical therapist is a person who has, these days, a doctorate in physical therapy and who is really well-versed in the muscles and bones and ligaments of the body, and they can make a very big difference in many of our headache patients, especially in pregnancy, because there aren't too many medicines you can use in pregnancy, so we count upon physical modalities. But even in non-pregnant people, PT, or physical therapy, is very helpful, and we use it a lot. There has to be a specific prescription, and we have to have a specific purpose for what we're trying to treat. Now, everybody talks about headache diets. Well, maybe not everybody. Some people talk about headache diets, and some people swear that gluten or whatever gives them more headaches. And may, maybe that's true. There probably are food triggers. We know they exist. I know when I was a little kid, a half a glass of chocolate milk was fine, but a whole glass of chocolate milk, I was grabbing my head and being in pain and throwing up. I didn't know there were migraines then. So dose is a factor with some of these triggers. Now, the so-called headache diet of the 70s has not been that useful to us in modern times. There were diets out there which eliminated nitrites or tyramine or things like that from different preserved foods. Well, you know, 
I think now we're smarter and we know that preserved foods aren't so good for us to begin with, but there's more to it than that. If a headache is driven by a certain food at a certain dose, then that's probably a trigger. It's hard to find these triggers, and a lot of people are disappointed when they can't find a trigger for their headaches. Well, don't be so disappointed. It's just one less thing to worry about. Now, our patients, as they are, will go online. Of course, everyone goes online. That's why you're seeing these videos, because you went online. But beware of misinformation. I have to assure you that the information I'm giving you in these videos is based on published scientific data and not on some crazy bias that I might have about sprinkling oregano on your head or something. Uh, we need to use evidence-based medicine, but it has to be practical. And beware where you look. If you look at legitimate websites like from the National Headache Foundation or the American Migraine Foundation or the websites put up by the large clinics like Mayo Clinic or the Cleveland Clinic, those are legitimate places to look. I'd be very cautious about blogs and other sources where people just share their experiences. One person might have a bad response to a medicine, and they might be one in a million, but it's not representative. You know, drug company ads can be misleading also. There's no shortage of them on the American television networks. Everyone seems to be having a lot of fun. They have a golden retriever. They're frolicking or, I don't know, gardening in a greenhouse or doing something really interesting. And, oh, I'm so lucky I have this illness this and I have this drug that'll cure me and help me. And at the bottom of the screen, there are lists of side effects that would knock your socks off if you read them. Well, you'll see that for the headache world too. And crazy claims are not allowed by the FDA, but claims are allowed in medical advertising within very strict criteria. I'm not saying the pharmaceutical companies make up anything. You know, they can't. But sometimes the success rates of a lot of medicines are not as good as people think they are. Everything has side effects in a given person, but most things don't have side effects in most people. It's hard to tell who's going to get the side effects. We'll be talking about how to find side effects in another video. I'll just leave you with the idea that the package insert that comes with the medicine, which is impossible to read because it's so little, if you Google the name of the medicine and the word prescribing information, you'll eventually get to the package insert on your screen of your computer or your phone or whatever. It's a lot easier to read there. And just look at the two clinical trials. Every drug has to have them. There'll be two columns. One is for the placebo response and one is for the drug response as far as side effects. It's more representative than the people on the blogs who complain about a lot of side effects. Beware of misinformation from drug companies and from supplement manufacturers. Supplements are not regulated by the FDA, so we don't really know if they're safe or if they even work. You don't really know what's in the bottle. It doesn't even matter what's on the label. That includes your multivitamins, by the way. Um, they have a list of all these different nutrient values and all this, but it also says the word supplement on the bottle. According to a 1994 law, the word supplement means they don't have to pay attention to truth in labeling. So you don't really know what's in your multivitamin package. You really don't know. And placebo response is big. You know, um, people, if they truly believe that something's going to help them, 30% of people are going to benefit from it. If you truly believe that massaging oregano into your scalp will take away your migraines, there's about a 30% chance that it will. But in a month, you'll be back. Placebo response doesn't last a long time, but it sometimes is beneficial. And the acupuncture studies showed a very high placebo rate, and people seem to benefit at least short-term. It's not a really useful long-term plan. And children, in research done on kids with headaches, like migraine, uh, they have a high placebo response. So you could say they're benefiting from a placebo, even if it's not what your intention was. So it's all about prevention sometimes. If you have headaches that are five and 10 days in between headaches, and you can effectively knock it out with sumatriptan or risotriptan or any of the triptans, you don't really need a preventative medicine. You've got a plan. You're treating a 
occasionally, your overall monthly med load is pretty low, and you're doing fine. But if your headaches are occurring more than once a week, and if they're hard to get rid of, if they last for days at a time, or if you're not able to take the current rescue or abortive medicines that we use, prevention becomes all the more important. People with hemiplegic migraines or basilar type, what we now call brainstem aura migraines, can't take those drugs. So prevention becomes more important. Many people for other health conditions are unable to take what we call abortive medicines. So prevention becomes a greater emphasis. Now, here's where a lot of people get messed up. They try a preventative. The doctor starts at a very low dose to try to build them up. And after three days, the person says, I, it's not working. I quit taking it. Well, that's not giving it a try. And besides, that drug was probably going to be tapered up higher and higher over a period of weeks. It takes many weeks to see if a preventative is really working. And the dose that you're using when you start a medicine may not be the actual effective dose. You might be on higher doses later in order to get a good response. So you have to be patient. It's not easy to say. It's not easy to be patient. I'm not a patient person. God knows. But you have to be patient when you're building up a preventative because the effect that it has takes time to develop. It's not like you drink 20 beers and you feel stupid. That's a fast response. This is not the situation. These drugs work on certain neuronal pathways and they have to take their time to soak in, so to speak. What I'm saying is this is about expectations. You have to have realistic expectations when you start a preventative medicine. Not everybody's going to be headache-free the rest of their lives. A lot of people may have daily low-grade headaches but don't interfere. We want everyone to get better, certainly, but we have to have realistic expectations. If we start a preventative medicine and a person is having 10 headaches a month and the medicine gradually starts to work and they're down to five headaches a month, that's a good beginning. Don't get angry that it's not a cure. It's a beginning and the plan needs to continue. Additionally, adjustments may be necessary to the dosage or other medicines may be substituted or added, but this is about meeting your expectations. We want everyone to be headache-free, but it may not be realistic, but we never stop trying. Now, there are other approaches to headaches. Some people are really big on doing nerve blocks all over your head and over your eyes and back of your head and neck and everything. And there's a place for some of these things. The occipital nerve block sometimes is helpful with cluster and certain migraine people. Uh, many of these things are very effective in certain people, but nothing is for everybody. And to do ongoing, invasive, mutilative things to people maybe is not in everybody's best interest, except the people that do them, perhaps. So again, with a grain of salt, certainly nerve blocks are helpful. I do them. And and I, I know that there's a time when I need to do them, but it's not very often. It's not a real common thing in my clinic to be sticking needles in people's heads, except maybe for their Botox, because that does require injections. And even that, it's not for everybody. Now, the big push right now in the headache world is, is drugs that affect CGRP. CGRP is a brain chemical which has something to do with pain transfer in the brain and the nervous system, but it also is a vasodilator. It also controls blood flow in different parts of the body. Now, it's not that new to be a targeting CGRP. There are antibodies right now available on the market which will inhibit the effect of CGRP. But remember, when we use Botox, we're inhibiting the release of CGRP. And when you take a triptan, you're also inhibiting the release or blocking the effect of CGRP. So this is just another way to hopefully reach the same target. There's no one thing that's a bad idea and there's no one thing that's the cure-all for everything. It all boils down to the individual person and the latest dance craze may not be the one that you need. Now supplements, other than being potentially toxic, maybe, maybe not, they also could influence the other medicines you're taking. Certain supplements like turmeric 
which is curcumin, which is used to make curry. Uh, a lot of people are using it these days because it's an anti-inflammatory. But remember, it also inhibits the ability of the liver to detoxify other medicines in your system. The same is true for grapefruit juice or pomegranate juice. These will also inhibit what's called the P450 system in the liver, which is what breaks down other drugs. Again, like all supplements, these are unregulated and we don't know what's really in them. Now, rebound is an old term, which now we use the term medication overuse headache. It sets in when you utilize certain medicines too frequently in a given month for a period of three months. If you used a butalbital-containing painkiller, like what used to be called Furoset, even more than four times a month could set you up for a rebound headache. The anti-inflammatories, more than 15 days a month. The tryptans, more than nine days a month. The opioids, which we don't want to use, the narcotic-type drugs, can also produce rebound headaches. It's very common on a first visit to a headache clinic to encounter people who are in medication overuse headache, or so-called rebound headache. So it's like food, you know, if it tastes good, it's bad for you. So it is with headache medicines. Uh, if they work really well at taking out a migraine, if you use them too often, you'll probably get more headaches in the long run. So you got to keep this in mind. And again, prevention is the way to avoid this. Prevention using medicines and lifestyle changes. Now, some people are taking painkillers like narcotics, opioids for other conditions, and they come and see us, and they probably are in medication overuse headache. Now, they're probably taking them for some other reason like back pain, which by the way, is not an approved use of opioids, but many people are on these drugs because nothing else helps them. But I often will refer people on to other specialists to help control their other problems like back pain so that they don't have to be on these drugs. Again, it's a hard sell to tell someone to take away a medicine that helps another problem so we can treat their headaches. So in conclusion, the treatment of headache is multifactorial. It's got to start with people taking you seriously, making a proper diagnosis, and coming up with a treatment plan. The proper treatment plan varies with the individual, but includes lifestyle changes, maybe medications, maybe non-pharmaceutical approaches, such as exercise and yoga and all the things I mentioned earlier. But the bottom line is you need a strategy. Someone needs to work with you on a regular basis. It could be a primary physician if they're attuned to this. Why not? It's just a question of controlling all the variables, taking you very seriously, and looking at your headache calendar. This is how people get better. So I appreciate you hanging around and listening to this video. There'll be others to follow, like I said. Get onto our main website, theheadachesituation.com, and it'll link you over to the podcasts and to the other videos. You can find us on YouTube, of course, and through whatever podcast sponsor you use. Uh, just friend us or like us or whatever social media you're using, and we'll keep you posted on all the new developments. We're going to try to make one or two of these videos every week, and there is a lot that has to be covered here. So stick with us, and thanks for hanging around. And like I say every time, don't give up. Something is going to work. We just got to find the right thing for the right person. Never give up. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. There are many in this series, so please subscribe to us and follow our other offerings on www.thehadachesituation.com. 